Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Mel Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. 18! Nice. That's a great roll. Is this the first time we've heard last time on the Adventure Zone since Balance? Yeah. Uh, well, there must have been I recaps. So. I don't remember. I don't think Clint did recaps. In oh, you're right. Commitment. He didn't. I mean, I yeah. think they did something casually at the beginning, but I should know. They this, would kind but... of discuss it, but I don't think they did the Griffin Mac yeah. recap. Yeah, no, I don't think right. they did. Wow. It was nice <laughs> to hear. Now I'm having emotions. I know. And it made me so nostalgic and happy. And then for a second, I was like, oh, he's better. And then, no, not quite. Not 100% And yet. for a second, when he was doing Pigeon's voice, I thought he was Justin. Yeah? Like, I totally was like, why is Justin recapping this? I was like, oh, my God. Like, this poor child and his poor vocal cords. Yeah, he's he's been, he's a trooper trying to work he through this. So, yeah, so we start off with Duck. Out in the woods, at night. Yeah, so did I? I didn't take notes on the exact amount of time. So Duck had been walking for an, like an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Okay, that is uh-huh. a long time. It's a very long time, and it's a long time for Pete to be scared to pieces. Yeah, lost in the woods. Pizzas. Poor baby. <laughs> That'll do it for me tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm out. Play her off the stage. <laughs> but no, you're right. I didn't even think of that. Like for me, that I feel like, eh, yeah. Everything here takes an hour and a half. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it was very realistic, though, because I, I think I got these kind of X-Files vibes from this description of a duck walking through the forest with all these pine trees and then seeing this, this you know, unident- initially unidentified light shining through the trees. Right. Well, because initially mm-hmm. he's following this, this trail of black ooze. Like, his light is, that's what's guiding him into the woods. Yeah. And then, yeah, back to what you were saying, he sees this light in the distance. And as soon as Griffin mentioned it, I said out loud to myself, is it moving? And then Griffin went, it's not moving. And I said, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's where everybody kind of went for a second. Like, you know, because it's mostly that sort of thing uh-huh. is mostly like a UFO thing. I mean, because I did think, I figured if it's moving, probably it's Pete. Pete. Okay, so you right. went person and I went UFO. I guess that says a lot about me as a person. <laughs> oh, good. We're back on this again. This has to be a running theme of this show. Uh, what's that game called? Like, worst case scenario, that's Anne. Mm-hmm. Just always, like, let's take it two towns and over. And I don't really believe in any of this stuff I either. I just think it's fun, so. We're kicking Anne off the show now. Yeah, I know. You're going to kick me off the show. It's just a matter of time. All right. But so we got the flashlight on the ground. It's not moving. And once he gets up there, this is my favorite creepy thing, is when there's no noise. Yeah. Yeah. Woods are loud all the time. And when you get somewhere and there's no noise, oh, snap. (laughs) And, okay, okay. When he talks about the burnt grass. Blackened grass. The blackened grass looks like it's burnt. And then as he can see the shapes in it, is this like the animals were burned into it? Or... I mean, it's hard to say because... The descriptions that Griffin gave, to me it seemed like, because he does describe it as blackened grass, that kind of looks like grass would look if it were burned. I was waiting for, like, a smell indicator or something, and none was ever given. So right. then when he describes that they look, the splotches look like outlines of animals, it almost seemed more to me like 
you know that creepy thing like radiation shadows yeah i mean i that that was totally what i was what i was thinking about that it's not their remains it's it's like their shadows just incinerated into right. the ground and that's what i was thinking too and it made me think of that simpsons episode where homer little homer's shadow is burnt into the wall from sitting in front of the TV, and it always creeped Nell out. Yep. <laughs> Real talk, everybody. It creeps me out. I don't like that part. It is There's super some creepy. moments in The Simpsons I just don't like looking at. It's one They of them. use this concept on Supernatural, too. Um, when angels are killed, it's kind of a spoiler, I guess. Not really. But when angels die on that show, the shadow of their wings is burned into the ground beside this creature that looks like a person at the time but it's just these like ashy like spectral wings um so it also made me think of that but it's i'd like the this is a really effective visual that griffin's providing it is super creepy and it's Mm -hmm. way creepier than you would Mm -hmm. think just from like this guy describing this to us i mean especially when the when the monster actually does show up right this is when the monster shows up because his light getting knocked askew is how he notices these patterns in the grass And it's when we see that Pete is there. He's hiding in some brambles, but he's safe and he's okay. For now. But there is also a big old monster here now. Right. I was hoping he'd be able to see him a little bit better, but... I subscribe to the school that that monsters are much scarier the less that you see. That the filling in the blanks Agreed. makes mm-hmm. them infinitely scarier. That's that's good classic horror of of uh, the things that you don't see being scarier than the ones that you do. And I he's kind of that. doing the the audio version of this of saying, you know, it's got eyes and there are two of them, but then there are other eyes in places where eyes shouldn't be. And that alone, like that's that is a, that is a great image. That's a very chilling concept, I think. I was hoping to get further validation on uh, Nell's supposition because that's all that's been in my head now of like animals kind of sewed together to be this thing, which now, hey, it could be many eyes. That could be it. I was thinking more like my initial theory was more skins, like it just kind of took their skins, but it is very big. It could be an amalgamation of all of these animals that seem to be missing or, you know, left some sort of indication behind that they were here and they no longer are. So who knows? Well, what I do know is, uh, Duck, you done stepped in it this time. <laughs> There's something that we didn't touch I on. See, he done fucked up, too. Oh, God, he done <laughs> fucked up so badly. Before we get to how badly he fucked up, uh, we get a visit from his, uh, at least somebody who knows that he's a chosen one. This other being. I love the way that they talk. Like this, like, spectral career counselor or something. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's how it sounds. Uh, And so, and they're described as tall and female. I picture a human-ish person, mostly composed of light. Mm -hmm. Duck knows who this is. Like, this isn't, first of all, he's not weirded out by this person. And they're, they're trying to get him to do whatever it is he's supposed to do as this chosen one. He's just not into it. I do love he just walks away. Yeah, like, it's no. like, if you walk away from it, did it really no, happen? <laughs> and this conversation was cut off by the monster's arrival in a very sudden and abrupt way, which is, uh, since it happens again later in the episode, possibly an important plot point. Ooh, good point. Because, yeah, they're interrupted because the monster showed up, and this is where we get to the fuck up. Because <laughs> Duck is armed. Not not dangerous. <laughs> no. Oh, would you, like, if you're a person who's never really used a gun, and this is, 
I'm assuming Duck is not fond of guns or he would have used it at that point. Would you have tried to shoot it or would you have thrown it? Well, it's not really, it's not a short range weapon. I guess that's kind of a downside. I mean, I I think it does depend on how charging at you. Right. No, I would have, I would have tried to shoot it. I think, you know, I would probably would have ended up like fucking up my shoulder or whatever doing it. Because it's a shotgun, I believe it was a, ri- a rifle. And... Oh, a rifle. Shotgun, okay. shotgun would have been better. No, I think it was it was a it was a hunting rifle. Hunting rifle. Okay. Pigeon kept the kept the shotgun. Smart girl. I was gonna say because she's she's a smart gal. <laughs> well, because you know, rifle's not gonna have the same stopping power as a shotgun. Well, certainly. So if, no. if he yeah. had stood his ground and and taken the time to fire this weapon, it probably wouldn't have done anything anyway (laughs) well and maybe he knew that it wasn't said but maybe he knew that or maybe he just panicked which would also be understandable so he's armed with this rifle that he throws at the monster possibly because he panicked and he doesn't roll super hot so he does take a hit here but he doesn't take damage because as travis describes he is duck newton guy who's hard to kill I also wrote that down. <laughs> Loved that. So, so, so did I. I. I think that's the that's the uh, that's the the subtitle on the Bond movie poster for. Uh, well, there see, I, I wrote down in the last episode my notes. Um, Duck Newton, Action Ranger. So that's what mm. I'm hoping is going to be his spinoff. Take this show on the road. But so we have. Um, this is where a scuffle kind of comes in. It's a, and it's important to mention this because this is where Duck loses his radio and his flashlight, and of course the gun he's just thrown. And Justin makes a roll to get the radio back. And I appreciate this because uh, Duck reading a bad situation and the way Justin first justified it, I feel like is a good, very, like, 101 look on how that happens. Mm -hmm. Now I'm thinking... If you had the choice, I mean, I don't know, I'm not going to second guess Justin's choice, but if you had the choice, there's this monster, you can pick up the radio, the flashlight, or the rifle, and you're in dark woods alone at night with a monster, which one of the three would you have chosen? For a second, I thought he chose wrong, but then, no, he totally chose the right one, because the light would give away his position really easily. Agreed. The gun, we already know, either not good at using them, refuses to use them, or it's just not a good weapon against this guy, which it's already been shot, and it's still coming. So there's that, too. Um, But yeah, the radio, call for backup. You know, you've got some kind of a lifeline out there. So no, I think think he he nailed it there. That was the smartest choice. And, And we see this happen in game, being the forest ranger, he knows where he is, even Mm -hmm. if he doesn't have exact positioning. Like, he knows these woods. He has an idea of where to send the help that he's requesting. So, yeah, I think that that was the smartest one for sure. And this is, again, Justin playing so well in his ad-libbing and his awareness of the character. And, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just the way he is him running giving his position and like south 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 like and a part of it is like is that justin double guessing himself or is it justin playing his duck kind of reconfirming like and it doesn't even matter because it works mm-hmm. yeah we we got a lot out of this fairly short scene because there's you know aside from the spookiness that, that griffin is bringing to it with that information we we got a lot about duck and who this person is again yeah you know so it, i mean there's this comedy stuff that's extremely funny 
Um, but we also understand, you know, I'm the kind of person whose first priority is, okay, I, I'm now disarmed, but I know there's a, a person here who needs help, so I'm going to kick a monster in the butt. Um, oh, yeah. Just to see if that helps. <laughs> I love uh, that. Let's forget. Yeah, and that then when he runs away into the woods and he's being chased, that he, he makes... His his priority choice is I'm actually going to call for help. I'm going to call for backup in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we understand a lot about about who this guy is. Yeah, and the kind of person he is is the kind of person you really like. The kind of person where you mm-hmm. cringe a little bit when he trips the second time, which I thought was a very fair call. Yeah. It is dark. He is running in the woods, trying to also talk on a radio. So Griffin brings in that that GM Roland. Uh, Duck loses his walkie-talkie yeah. again. Well, and it was getting jammed. Mm. Yes, right. So, it, like, and, and supernaturally jammed. Well, and it wasn't that. Seems so like it's not oh. the quiet zone jam. It seems to gotcha. be something, something jamming the radio. But it's not the quiet zone deal, is what I have written down. Which I'm very good at taking notes. I must have as been drawing know. at that point. <laughs> but I'm wondering if that's the gate. Like, is the gate shutting it down? Yeah, well, it's it's jamming just as he uh, arrives in the clearing and sees the gate for the first time. Perfect. Yes. I couldn't remember if he got to the clearing in this first bit. Yeah, and that's where it cuts off and switches to Aubrey's point of view. Over to Aubrey and Mama. <laughs> so, in our episode last time, we ended up cutting a bit where we were talking about Mama so I just want to reiterate here, we're all total fangirls of this woman already. We love that she's this large woman who's just named Mama. This is fantastic. Yeah. So I, just I, doubling down, we love her already. I, I want, uh, I agree with Griffin that the world needs more large country women in its fiction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely we do. I second that emotion. <laughs> so we're in Mama's truck. Now with Aubrey and, of course, Dr. Harris Bonkers. And they're on their way to Kepler where... Aubrey has never been, but Mama knows that something's up with Aubrey. I feel like that's the title of a sitcom. There's something up with Aubrey. (laughs) Or like a book from the 80s. I was going to say like a book. like (laughs) Something up with Aubrey. What's going on with Aubrey? Designers, has anyone seen Aubrey? (laughs) What happened to Aubrey? (laughs) Tim Gunn should be in some of these shows. I, yeah, I would like Fantasy Tim Gunn now, now that you've mentioned that. I had not, I had not thought of that. We've had Fantasy Tom Baudet. I would now like Fantasy Tim Gunn. Work him in. <laughs> Absolutely. And since we're already off track, I'm just going to throw this out there, too. I am dying for some Fantasy RuPaul. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I think RuPaul might already be a Fantasy character. Well, certainly. Fair. We can just make it canon in the fiction. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. We're wildly off topic here. So we get to All Kepler. Right. I love the drive around town. It made me yeah, feel this is, so this at home. This is the first that we that we get a, a real description of Kepler, of how the town is laid out and what's in it, and whether or not it may have a Huntington, Western Virginia uh, pizza parlor <laughs> shout out in it, which I'm glad uh, Griffin pointed out because we definitely would not have gotten that. Well, and I think to me, I just like guessed. I feel like there's so many yeah. pizza parlors just with an Italian name. Exactly. Like, you can pick yes. from a, a number of, like, five, and you're like, oh, sure, some town uh-huh. has this, for sure. <laughs> well, it made me think of Giordano's from Chicago, so I just yeah. figured it's along those lines. It made me think of, I've never gotten to visit Brittany up in Alaska, but it did make me think of, like, the pictures I've seen 
from like when our mom went to visit where it's this town that isn't huge but it's still got it's got its pizza hut but then it's got its little like family pizza? owned mom and pop yeah that's yeah. The independent one. chain or not an independent there chain you go. ah independently it's got its owned pizza hut. yeah an independent pizza hut yeah <laughs> we all need one of those it's got its pizza hut and it's got its independent pizza there hut there we go perfect yeah it, it, <laughs> I, I can't shake thinking of Kepler and sne- thinking of Snoqualmie since we were just just there. Oh yeah, um, where, where part some of the Twin Peaks opening was filmed. I mean, I think oh, I think cool. Kepler is a larger town, but there's a certain kind of atmospheric similarity to the small town in the mountains. Yeah, um, with kind of a you know potentially spooky atmosphere if you go outside of it. Yeah, so that's kind of my mental image is a little right. based off that. It's nice. This feels homey to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just having, especially going up to like uh, northern Michigan for our entire lives, it feels, right. it, I get that same kind of feeling. Yeah. It's very nice. So yeah, I like this description of Kepler. Um, and they drive right through and uh, as they they enter the city limits or whatever you call it, the town limits, and as they're kind of going out of it toward these, we hear that there are also these, you know, lodges and places to stay because it used to be a more of a tourist kind of ski town mm-hmm. and as they're kind of leaving the town limits Aubrey is sharing the fact that she feels like well you said you weren't going to kill me but now I kind of feel like you're going to kill me again because we could have <laughs> stopped in town and now we're leaving town limits it is I spooky. appreciated that I haven't gotten into a whole sure. lot of cars with strangers but I feel like if I did I'd want to stop somewhere unsettling. pretty populated yeah. Yeah. Do serial killers usually give you baby carrots, though? I mean, that seems pretty non-threatening. I, they might. As soon as Mama did that, precious. Well, uh, sure, she might, but I don't know. There's something. There's there's something about Mama. <laughs> <laughs> that's the follow-up. Book. Say, that's the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so they're driving up to, of course, the Amnesty Lodge, which this got lost in last week's episode too. But we did. We had mentioned in a part that got cut that we know that there's something up with the lodge. The owner of the lodge is a, a a person of interest, a person of note at least, which was gleaned from Griffin's very beautiful intro. <laughs> well, can we talk for a second about Griffin and geodesic domes? That boy loves some geodesic I domes. I am so glad you brought that up because I definitely I, I made approve. a note of that. Yeah, there's a there's a dome. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> They're architecturally perfect, more or less. And I would definitely, I'm kind of hoping now that uh, I have not been to Max FunCon West and I will be going uh, in the, in the summer. And I am really hoping that it is sound, that it looks like the Amnesty Lodge God, now. This sounds, so. this sounds fantastic. <laughs> I, I would, I would book this place. Right. I wrote in my um, notes a question for Griff. Where do you get your design ideas for buildings? Because he is able to describe them. <laughs> So down to the detail, and yeah. I didn't even put together the whole dome thing. But yeah, now that I think about it, God damn it, I mean, we it, love domes mm-hmm. around here. <laughs> I tried to draw it out. I, it did not pan out for me what I thought it could well, look now like. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to upload that. That's for sure. <laughs> it's gonna look like Clint stuff. <laughs> oh please i think we need more of that like did you draw this with your left hand while drunk yes i did do that i was drinking with my right hand i had to draw it with my left (laughs) also 
also, here's another thing I love about the Amnesty Lodge. While we're still here. Before we check out. The music. Yes, the music. The music mm-hmm. is it's so extremely strange. effective. Yeah, we're getting like, you know, these are not long descriptions. They're not florid descriptions, but you get this really clear picture from Griffin's voiceover description and combined with the music. Uh, you get you get the vibe. You really understand what these places are like. It makes it much easier to that... to visualize what's happening and for it to feel real and complete. Right. Can I tell you a descriptive word I do not like or appreciate? And I might be the only one. <laughs> it's when you describe someone as crunchy. I don't. I can't dig that. I'm too. It, it does always sound I'm really too gross. direct with that word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, like. Is right, she not he's babe? like that's I exactly can't. what I feel like too. Right, he was describing Danny, yeah. and initially, like, luckily, it only took me like half a second, and I was like, I know he doesn't mean that she's like sitting here gross, but for a second, it means like a granola kind of yeah. hippie, yeah. yeah, yeah. But God, crunchy. Like, no, Griffin, <laughs> you're so good at this. Don't go. It does that make way. you think of like. It's like poorly maintained yeah. dreads on a white yes. person or something is kind yeah. of is kind of the visual that I get, which is With maybe not quite what he's going for. With that word in particular, for. yes. No, I totally agree. Because yeah. he used it a couple times to describe Merle, and I was always like, don't, what? Right. No. But right. then, right, after that, like, split second, you're like, oh, no, that's not. Think granola bar. That's what he's thinking. <laughs> that's what they're using. I just, oh, my brain can't do it that fast. But I do like. <laughs> The quick relation we got with uh, Aubrey and Danny. That Aubrey's yeah. immediately like a little yeah. smitten by her. Like, oh no. Oh no, there's a cute girl and I've been put on the spot. I have to do, I have to perform magic now. Which I appreciate that Travis's response, so clever, is to have her do her bit. I guess. Yeah. Her stage magic. That, that is what she does. Brilliant. And of course that's not what they mean. But she does, she is able to produce the fire that they were actually looking for. Yeah, but but not in, not until she kind of catches Danny's eye and gets nervous mm-hmm. and then it just sort of explodes, which is a really beautiful mental image, I think, and, and weirdly relatable. Yeah. Um, I think for, for anybody having that kind of, you know, seeing somebody you're kind of into and having that, that moment of uncertainty, but it's also this kind of powerful, powerful yeah, thing. Yeah, we learn that emotion plays a, a role here. Yeah, I think that was a really interesting character choice. Like, all of mm-hmm. this has been really interesting. I mean, even something as small as... I mean, I know it was kind of a, a, a goofy bit, but uh, that, that Travis says, when Aubrey's going to go to the bathroom first. Oh, <laughs> like, I love it. Like, hang on, i got to go to the bathroom. And that's it, um, right. It seems like a very McElroy <laughs> thing to do, to be it honest. It does, but... but I was with Griff. I thought she was totally going to, like, spring and escape or, like, try to do something. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, she was just going yeah. to the bathroom. Like, now back... <laughs> I love Trev for that. That was fantastic. Uh-huh. He played her super, super well. Um, I loved when yeah. he, like, his his voice acting, I think, is just it's so cute. kicking it. Like, it's, it's yeah. there. And, yeah. well, and I just remember him with uh, Nadia being kind of nervous about, am I playing her yeah. wrong? What's going to happen? And I think mm-hmm. he fell into Aubrey immediately and just kind of kept going with it. And when he does the magic or excuse me when she does the magic and the way he plays the did you see that did you do that (laughs) holy shit holy shit like oh it was so good i loved it it was genius to just keep interrupting right Uh (laughs) to kind of indicate she's still in shock from this which is completely realistic yeah absolutely but then this this she's so cute (laughs) she's so cute 
And then it gets almost a little intimidating for a moment when they lock the doors and they're like, okay. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's not that, like, it's just Mama and Danny here. There are multiple people in this lodge. So yeah. people all it's watching her like, now. Yeah. Yeah, she's walked into this whole situation that she knows nothing about, like, and come straight to their, their headquarters, effectively. This is absolutely the first episode of some kind of a TV show with that super, a super teen who didn't know they were super, and now, <laughs> welcome to this world, friend. Ooh. <laughs> and then we go to our man, Ned. <laughs> And what junk does Ned have in his trunk? I was writing that as <laughs> Travis was, like, I was midst, uh, I think, uh, Ned, when Travis started saying it. I was like, aha, we're sisters now. <laughs> Travis and I. We've made it. Trav and I will swap places. <laughs> Trav, you are Brittany's sister now. <laughs> so we have Ned doing his bit. I think this is what's interesting to me, just to take a quick sidebar here. I feel like in these first two episodes, we don't get a ton from Ned, and I think that that's okay. And I think it goes back to what we were saying last time. When it came to the setup episode, he was so, like, fully understood and kind of realized Ned's going to end up playing so much into all of this. Mm -hmm. It just isn't time yet. That's kind of how I feel like when we're getting smaller bits from Ned here. Yeah. That's not to say that Clint didn't absolutely play it up fantastically. It was to the point where, like, the more he was like, well, the first take wasn't super great. So this time I'm gonna, like, you could almost feel, at least I feel like I could almost feel Griffin being like, all right, come on. Ah. I get it. I know what you're trying to say. Can I please continue with the story? And he kept, like, kind of holding, like, here you go. No, hang on. I have a little bit more to add. It was it's cute mm-hmm. yeah i think we know why why clint's arc was called commitment now because he definitely commits to oh, the bit god, he and does two yeah. takes on his wookie noises <laughs> oh my gosh can, can you imagine if there was actually footage of bigfoot singing sondheim though because I... that would definitely go viral oh it's it so would... good i put in here i want bigfoot selfies like i want where is it well because he's got the wookie costume on and he's doing yeah. the harry and the henderson's bit where they're like making the fake footprints And Mm -hmm. then he's got the fake musk smell. I'm like, he went all out. (laughs) Ned knows his business. So good. It really does convey what extra thought that Clint put into this. Because when he brought up the muck, I don't know if I would have thought of that. That, like, if you're looking for Bigfoot, having there be a smell to go along with it is really going to sell the idea. Sell the Mm, authenticity. Which shows both Ned and Clint... Good at tricking people. I think I think it's really helpful for for the storyline as well that that we get so much detail, honestly, about how Ned is going about faking this stuff. Because I think what you were saying earlier, Nell, about his character and that we've gotten less from him in some ways. I think he's he's the grounded one in this story. He's the one he's, who's yeah. um, kind of the opposite of all this weird stuff that's going on because he doesn't say, have he's a specific the most human part. of them. Yeah, there's not like a weird part for him to play necessarily at this point. Because if you if you have like 
one character who's chosen, who's who's suddenly having these visions again, and one character has just discovered that not only is magic real, but they have magic powers. You need somebody to be the grounded one. You need you need the Xander. You need yeah. somebody like that in that role because otherwise everything is sort of untethered in this universe, and it's it's very difficult to believe this stuff. I think is is it's fed yeah. to you because it's not relatable to the real world. So it was really it was I think it was really helpful and will be helpful in the long run to start at this point where it's kind of this ridiculous um, this ridiculous scene of him trying to badly fake Bigfoot and then try to explain it to this man who comes out of the woods. My husband, the way your husband described. Oh, my gosh. I'm writing this down. I'm like tall, burly, scruffy man comes out of the woods wearing flannel. Sounds like my husband. Like, that's exactly who I'm looking for. Thank you, Griffin. Thank you for this gift you've given me. (laughs) But I do want to add really quickly to what Anne was saying about Ned. Everything you said, totally true. And I like that it's not only he's our, like, teen human character, but also that, in a way, he's the one who's most into this little, like, supernatural pool. He doesn't believe it, but he's the one most steeped in it of these three characters mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, maybe he's more maybe he's more of a giles than a xander in some ways or maybe in the future yeah maybe maybe xander was unfair watch well Buffy, so i cannot add to here so you've got your your bookish knowledgeable one or <laughs> i feel like he's more like a guide and how fun would that be to have the guide who doesn't really believe it but knows all of it and it's like, yeah, this yeah. is this fake character. And there it is. Like, there's the creature that I thought was a total fake out. But here's all the weaknesses I know about it because I read it in this book I sell at my shop. Like, yeah. I think that's a genius move instead of it's having really someone clever. who's steeped yeah. in the knowledge, like a Giles, who, you know, is raised to be this watcher, this caretaker, versus some crotchety old man, some crooked character living in a museum slash shop that just knows everything. But doesn't really believe it. Yeah, yeah he's I, almost I'm... been playing a game this whole time. And it turns mm-hmm. out Jumanji is real. Ah! <laughs> Were you going to say something, Anne? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. No, I was I was just going to say that I, I think that, um, you know, I, I hate I kind of hate making these comparisons. Like, I know I'm, I'm using that as shorthand to compare it to these other shows that it's similar to. And I know they've done that a little bit, too. But mm-hmm. um, honestly, I think especially as we've gotten into this sort of this final act where we're, where we're finding out more, we're getting these reveals about this universe yeah. and about these characters at the very end um, that open the door to the rest of the story. It is a really interesting, like, melange of different elements from different stories like that. It is really not any kind of one-to-one with any of those stories, which is how no, you know, yeah. I think, that it's a good story, that it it combines them or is similar to them in some ways, but it, it takes it to its own place. Right. And I think each of them has done that with their characters. Griffin has done that with the world and with the way the story is unfolding. And, I mean, honestly, I would have been on board if they had just been like, let's kind of do Scooby-Doo. It's fine. Um, you know, or let's kind of do X-Files or let's do Buffy and, and just have fun with it. I would have been down with that. But Certainly. Every, they would have every one of them, every one of them has surprised me with the choices that they've made. And I really, really respect that because it's so easy to get caught up in the tropes in, mm-hmm. in a genre like this that's so inherently tropey. Inspiration is drawn, but then it's used to build something unique and that they're putting a lot of their own personal spin on and this kind of leads us into the this uh second act as it were where we we start getting some reveals (laughs) 
<laughs> I love even oh going back to yeah. Let's so let's hop back over to Duck, who has gone to this clearing that he that houses this this gate, this stone gate that he has seen that he saw at the very beginning in his prophetic vision. Which incidentally is called either oh, I'm not sure how you're supposed to say it, but I believe it's a trilithon or a trilithon, oh, which is yeah. it, you know. And so like stone. if you're talking about it's like those things in Stonehenge, but that's the technical term for two standing about. stones with a lintel across the top. Oh. If you ever need to know this information, there's our bit <laughs> right? of education. I was waiting for Anne. How do you spell that? It is T R I L I T H O N. Perfect. Thanks, Anne. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Have fun on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> so we're at the trilithon that he's seen in his dreams, and his light friend shows back up. Mm-hmm. I, she wants to know where his weapon is, which I thought was very funny. But she was like, <laughs> yeah, "Hold on, yeah. why aren't you armed? Where is it?" And I like things like it spooks me out. It's not my aesthetic. <laughs> it's I just creepy. didn't want to have it around. Like, <laughs> whose whose design aesthetic is weird wavy sword? I mean, I'm, I know this person is out there, but I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I what mean, that is. I think I it might be Aubrey. <laughs> I think she kind of has say Aubrey. I think she's going to see it and be like, "Oh, that's dope." Like that's my guess. When the when the sword gets when Ned is handing it over to Duck or however it happens. Yeah. When it gets smashed yeah. out of a case and used or just nice. sits there and it never gets used, which I would think is very funny and totally fitting for the way these boys tell stories. Mm-hmm. But I think she'd be into it. I agree. So we do have the light friend show back up. And I this is what's interesting with this person, um, or this this being who's talking to him is they then hear this distant noise, which I love good ambient sound. And when Griffin described the fact that the monster is still after Duck, but it's far away, but you can hear it. You know it's still Ugh. after him. You know it's still coming. Right? Yeah. Horrifying. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I like that this this being has to ask, are you in danger? So whatever this is, they don't, it's not some like all-knowing, like there's still some barriers here. And I yeah. appreciate that. It, it gives a sort of humanity to this this creature that we don't fully understand yet. Yeah, it's more fun having them be clueless about some things instead of them just being omniscient about everything. That would be kind of dull yeah. if they just show up oh, and yeah. know everything and can just tell that him if he'll so listen. so boring so fast. Yeah. Certainly. Because, yeah, their only advice is to go into the gate. <laughs> um, so he starts running towards it. Which, you know, even the way that Griffin describes it, it's there's nothing on the other side. It's just a big gate. But then the closer he gets, of course, then it does. It turns white. So something's happening here. And then ultimately, then there's something with the moon, too. The moon reaches its zenith and duck goes through. And yep. then just like that, sorry, Mr. Newton's gone. gone. Another another great, great cinematic image from, from Griffin. Which yeah. he describes in a very cinematic way. I'm always interested oh, yeah. when he sort of switches Master from storyteller to to these kind so of good. and it feels it feels completely seamless unless you're paying attention right. and looking for it. And then, but I do really respect that. Yeah, for sure. And that's where we leave him until next week. Uh, <laughs> but then, hopefully, we get a little bit more of an idea of what might be happening with this gate when we go back over to Aubrey at the Amnesty Lodge with Mama, and she's describing these gates that show up at different times in different places on the earth that people humans can go through 
Yeah, I, I, I love, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm already praising Griffin maybe too. Can I praise him too much? Maybe not. Um, I don't think so. But not I, on this I show. love that basically this, this concept of the gate. I mean, you can say, well, okay, yeah, there's another world and monsters are real, whatever. But he's basically <laughs> created like unified field theory, but for cryptids, which is incredible that, you know, all of these stories that we have that not only are they real, but it's like these people who've come through and told us their stories, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we're being influenced by these other people. I thought yeah. that was super, super interesting. Uh, yeah. More than just like some some fluke to have it be something that was um, more extensively tied to history and the world as a whole. Yeah. yeah, it reminded me of. Did you guys ever read the comic series Fables? Yeah, yeah. A little okay, bit. which is what Once Upon a Time, the TV show, was loosely based off was of initially. Supposed to, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's kind of the idea. Is you know all the fables are real. They all are stories that were told, and they came into our world kind of through a gate like when their world was being destroyed so it gave me that kind of feel that you know everything that is kind of like the stories we tell in the dark are real things and now like here they are right they're real and this is where they came from like this is this is the origin of them i love this this made me so happy (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is a pretty a pretty ideal arc for this podcast this is all I've ever wanted in my life. Like, I want to be Aubrey so bad. And just be like, I'm I'm home. Like, okay, I found my people. I found my group. Let's do this thing. Like, oh, when everyone... Right. Everybody in the Amnesty Lodge, all these extra people who initially, it's a little concerning. And my first thought was almost like, okay, this is part of some, like, stonecutters thing. Everybody knows (laughs) these stories, these secrets are about to divulge. But it ends up being... They're all monsters. Ah. And how much it doesn't get better. It That's doesn't. fantastic. So excited. Huge, huge it's... letters, werewolves. So happy. Danny, right. I couldn't right. quite figure out what she was. Right, because her eyes got a deep orange and her her teeth got a lot longer and sharper. So she might just be some I don't know if everybody is like a named monster, but mm-hmm. I mean really cool if Griffin, I'm sure he's got some you know, local cryptids lined up to be these people for sure because yes werewolves were mentioned by name of course of course but overall it's a lodge full of monsters how terrific and it's funny that aubrey is like not even faced she's charmed but Uh she's not (laughs) like no i've seen i've seen tv i've seen movies this is kind of and i I think i'd like to think that's how i'd react to if i know that they're not about to eat me yeah like I'd be like, yes, like I would, let's. I'd be do so charmed. Thing. Like mm-hmm. I'm the person who, and I think many of us did. If you've played the game like Undertale, you're like, oh yeah. I mean, can I just go fall into a mountain somewhere and just live with monsters? Because that sounds dope. Thank right. you. Please and thanks. I choose that. So and Aubrey, she's this. She's this like goth punk character. Oh you yeah. Know. She had some phase when she was 15 and oh, listening sure. to Evanescence and fantasizing about <laughs> vampires. Like that definitely happened mm-hmm. for at least six months. One hundred percent. The entire scene is just so charming because we have the music playing again. We have Mama making everybody's dreams come true, letting us know that all of this lore is real. Uh, these people look like humans. They wear jewelry and accessories and whatnot to disguise the fact that they're actually monsters. It's incredibly charming. I was interested that Mama apparently is human. Mm-hmm. Um, she seems human. And that I, was I, my do, I do find that. I really think she yeah. was like old school hunter turned, oh, they're not bad. Like, 
this is fine. That would be cool. I could see that being the yeah. case. Yeah, so she's like house mother for all of these yes. these wayward monsters and who are living, living in our world. That's a, I think that's a more interesting version of it than if she had also been some no, I type love of this. monsters. Is seems kind of racist or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some kind of creature. Uh, well, see, and that's where, again, I think this is where uh, my undertale background comes in. I've always, yeah, I'm like, no, monster is a lovely term. Don't call people monsters. That's insulting <laughs> to monsters. Don't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, her being kind of like the monster mama. I love this idea. That's mm-hmm. And it, it, it puts, the gun aside, it puts her initial interaction with Aubrey in a completely different light because she mm, was concerned you, about uh-huh. what this person was doing uh-huh. and concerned that they so might be in danger. Wayward Get monster. you back home, baby girl. Come on. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. Okay. All right. Shall uh, we Mama jump? just got ten times better. <laughs> She's um, so good. I do have a quick thing before we jump to our last bit here, which I know, Bernie, you're just dying to get to. Oh, God. <laughs> I wonder, I just thought of this, those, uh, the, the art that she was selling or whatever, mm. do you think one of the monsters made it? Oh, death. Probably. Like you know this is like an artist colony. I mean, what are you going to, you got to have a, you got to have I mean, an income I mean, I absolutely of some kind. want this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I suddenly thought, I bet one of these monsters is just a super skilled sculptor and that's. That was that's what she does. She pedals their way. Probably using their claws to get those little details in. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm jealous of them. <laughs> so I can't wait to hear more about them. And uh, there's one more monster we got to talk about. <laughs> we hop back over to Ned, who is dressed <laughs> as a Wookiee Bigfoot, and Brittany's husband has just joined him. His husband is named Barclay. Barclay, yes, my husband Barclay, which is also the name of my apartment complex. So I was oh. like, oh. <laughs> There you go. Did your apartment complex tweet at um, the Zonecast? <laughs> That's it. They named it after my apartment complex. Barclay. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> All right. So we get back to Barclay and Clint. Not Clint. Ah! Mm-hmm. So we get back to Barclay <laughs> and Ned. And there is a, is it a zombie bobcat headed towards them? Yeah. So they Which describe is so this creepy. Like, a skulking oh animal yeah. head tilted the wrong like the head tilted was in the an off up way thing. yeah 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 and the face looks Very lifeless so yeah. spooky it's oozing black out of its mouth yeah, yeah. just like oh, overall like a... bad scene yeah for half a it's second like i thought ooze, it was the monster mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. yeah and then it's like it's a bobcat and i was like well what the hell did this come from and they have the argument about get to the car. No, you get to the car. No. And then <laughs> and they're kind of talking out of the sides of their mouth. Back it up slowly. I love it. I love that Ned said the trunk is open. That's up in the trunk. I wrote, it's why terrific. does Barkley have to get in the trunk? And then I figured I it was just, just a time ease. saver. Yeah. Like, yes. It's aimed towards the front, the door, the driver's side. So Ned right. jumps in the Ned's driver's side. Ned's going to hop in the driver's side. jumps in the trunk. Plenty Gun of room. It. He could set up his whole living room in there. It's going to be fine. And then, right. yeah, get out of here. And Because he doesn't even have to close the lid. It's just, no. like, hop in yeah. and sit there. Oh, no. Yeah. I think if you're if you're driving a car like that in 2018, to just to justify the gas mileage, he must talk constantly about like in fiction. I think he must talk constantly about, but it's got a lot of trunk space because you got to have so something going for that car space. to be worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're right. Space. So this is the agreement that they come to. 
and, and I like that Barclay is on board because yep. they see this thing and they're trying not to draw attention to themselves. They're both slowly moving towards the car. Well, then Barclay is holding a, something glowing in his hand. And that's Which all we get Which he's hidden there. at this point. Yes. He's, he, okay. he didn't yeah. want Ned to see it. He's um, sneaky, my husband. Because he was trying to even get Ned to leave. And right. then this, this fucked up bobcat showed up. And so they start moving towards the car in agreement. And then there's the snap of a twig, which of course is going to happen. You're in the woods. Of course. And this is played so great. Because as soon as you snap that twig, you think the reaction is, now book it for the car. But Barclay doesn't book it for the car. He kind of accepts his fate here. He looks at Ned, says, I hope you can keep a secret. And like, even though we know that he's about to transform because we just saw everybody else transform, it's still such a great reveal. What is he wearing? He's wearing a bracelet. The bracelet, the hemp bracelet, uh-huh. yes. He removes that hemp I bracelet. Am... And Barclay's <laughs> Bigfoot. Yeah. I'm getting chills. Like, <laughs> I... Okay, I'm in a plane, and I'm the only one in this plane, and I am oh my God, squealing. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm, like, kicking and just... Um, I'm Like, if you guys could see me right now, my smile is huge. Like, I'm so excited about this. It. It's, again, everything I dreamed it would be. <laughs> I feel so vindicated from my hope in the beginning that I want big feet. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll get a couple more. But right now I'm happy with Barclay. I love that it was the guy that initially was like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Right. What are you doing in this Even woods? better, it's your husband who's yes. Bigfoot. So, oh, like, God. congratulations. If this could happen to me in real life. For sure. How perfect could my world be? You got to look for guys with hemp bracelets now. Keep an eye out. I'm into but, yes. hemp bracelets on bearded men. <laughs> You're going to have to tweet that. Like, if you look like this, DM me, but just with a picture of Bigfoot. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, it could not have ended better for me. That was perfect. Perfect for Brittany, but also what a good fucking reveal. What a uh-huh. fantastic yeah, it was. It was just electric the way that it was executed. <laughs> I applauded. <laughs> It was amazing. And it's really it's really good narrative yeah. payoff. I mean, of, of the choices that they could have made, that there was sort of this groundwork yeah. um, laid for it earlier on and in subtle ways. And, and I think it, it lands extremely well because of that. Totally agree. It was a perfect ending. And uh, speaking of endings, was there anything we missed along the way that we want to bring up now? I just have one. Yeah, I, I think I'm good. Apparently I took better notes this just time. Barclay, hit me up. <laughs> And Jake Cool Ice. <laughs> Jake Cool Ice. Uh, the only thing I have written down is bait and CrossFit. <laughs> yes, that was the only thing. I was looking at the words bait and CrossFit on my screen right now. <laughs> we'll just add that into our list of things we want logos and shirts and merch for. Yes. I was immediately like, uh, right. yes, there needs There's to be another an one. for the, the local bait and CrossFit. <laughs> What a gift. So good. <laughs> well, that was all I had to add. So uh, I think we're going to call it for this week. I do have one more question for our listening audience. We already know how Brittany feels about this, but which monster would you swipe right on? Get at us anytime over on Twitter at Romancing Zone. And uh, till next week, thanks so much for listening. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone. Romancing the Zone.